Hey weirdo, what's your superpower? And how will you use it to change the world? It's me, creative director Gabe White, broadcasting from my awesome superhero base. Hey Gabe, this is your dad, Charlie White. And now that you have that 184-inch TV in your secret superhero lair with a built-in webcam, I can do video calls with you. Well, that's just great. Actually, it is great. We can talk without you having to shout through the door. Yeah, but on the downside, we had to pay for a 184-inch TV screen. Oh. Did you remind people that they're listening to Just Us Weirdos, a weekly serialized superhero fiction podcast? No, but you just did. Sorry for stealing your spotlight, Gabe. But hey, I've got some exciting news today. We have fan mail. Woohoo! It looks like it's from seven-year-old Griffin from Alberta, Canada. That's right. Griffin told us that he's listened to every episode of the show. Thanks, Griffin. He also had a question for us. He wondered where our superhero names come from. And I thought we could pull back the curtain a little bit and talk about the brainstorming process. Let's start with Dagny Work. Dagny Work can hear machines complain with her mind and she can telepathically tell them to reboot. We know her as IT Girl now, but there are some other names we thought of. The Blue Screen of Death. But it sounded a bit too violent for the show. Zero cool. But our lawyers advised us against it. The Nerdy Avenger. But everyone seems to think it's cool to be a nerd these days. So... So that's why we settled on IT Girl for Dagny. Now Amina Amparo can draw things with her fingertip and make them real, but it erases her homework whenever she did it. This is kind of like Harold from the children's book, Harold and the Purple Crayon. But her name's not Harold, so we decided to go for something else. In the first episode, she suggested Lead R for her name, but as Dagny pointed out, that's a pretty dumb name. She could have been the Doodler. No, that sounds like something else. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, so Graphene's a pretty good name for her. Kirby Kuramoto has powers that came from bananas. He can throw bananas super accurately, and he's also super stealthy. When you put these concepts together, here are some of the names we came up with. The Plantain Pirate. We didn't go with this because a supervillain would easily figure out that you can beat a pirate by throwing a ninja at it. We thought about naming him... Sneaky monkey. But we know that monkeys sometimes throw other things too, and decided we should stay away from that. Like poop. Yeah, Gabe, that's the joke that I was trying to go for. Katana Peel. Actually, that's a pretty awesome name. It's too bad we didn't go with that instead. Jules Jones is fish out of water. What can we say? That's a really bad superhero name. But when your superpowers are based on swimming and fish... You've got bigger problems than a bad name. After all, it could be worse. We could have called him Aquaman. That would be terrible. Oh gosh, I can't imagine having to be Aquaman. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. So thanks for writing in, Griffin. We really appreciate it. We also don't want you to miss your chance to win a free t-shirt. So ask your parents to send us a message on social media. They can get us on Facebook or Twitter at Just Us Weirdos or Instagram at Just Us Weirdos Podcast. Use the hashtag WeirdoPower. One lucky listener will get a free t-shirt. 
and we'll be drawing that during the season finale, which is next week. Before we get started with today's episode, I do have a word of warning. Today's Just Us Weirdos contains immature scenes of kids arguing about who has the better superpower, adults arguing about who has the better company, and corny sayings about justice. So it's pretty much a normal episode of Just Us Weirdos. And if you're an adult who doesn't like that, we're going to assume it's because your body was taken over by an alien who snuck in through your ear and ate your sense of humor. But for everyone else, get comfortable, think of something weird, and put a smile on your face. It's time for issue number 17 of Just Us Weirdos. There Are No Heroes, Part 1. The ninja treads water in the River Majestic, below the 80-foot-tall concrete dam. The dam was recently cracked as a result of a helicopter crash, and the crack has now been patched as a result of thousands of microscopic, shrunk-frozen banana peels rapidly expanding in a nuclear reaction. At the center of that nuclear reaction is Butlerbot, or perhaps, as Beninja now fears, the remains of Butlerbot. The Kuramoto family robotic butler had heroically volunteered to fight the raging waters rushing through the cracked dam to overload a nuclear battery and instantaneously expand Beninja's supply of banana peels. The plan had worked to seal the crack, but Mrs. Work's action had left the robot stuck at the blast site. Now Beninja tries to calculate his advantages. He's in the water next to one of the wealthiest people in the world, who may or may not be a villain. She is in a supersuit, which gives her strength, stealth, and levitation. Also, possibly flight, depending on how close she is to the NSE suit. Kirby is in a black and yellow suit, which has fewer powers. It is stretchy, and stylish, and wet. Normally, Beninja would have a dozen or more free-shrunk bananas ready to throw, but he spent all of those to seal the dam. And his gloves, which superheat banana peels to expand them, can be useful to improvise, but they're not waterproof. So, no cool suit, no bananas, no gloves, and no butler bot, Beninja reminds himself. Hmm. He still has his comms with IT Girl, and his family's resources. Mrs. Work turns to him. You're the thief, right? What silly superhero name do you call yourself? Beninja scoffs at her. The only thing I steal is away in the darkness. Mrs. Work gives him a confused look. Like, I steal away in the darkness. Get it? Like I'm sneaky? I get it. The two stare intently at each other, like samurai waiting to make the first strike, except instead of holding swords, they're treading water. Mrs. Work breaks the silence. I am building a team of superpowers. I work alone, Beninja says. Mrs. Work rolls her eyes. Then who are you on comms with? Well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings, Beninja says. Sometimes I don't work alone. But I try really hard to not work with 
villains. Mrs. Work looks at him flatly. And what makes you think I'm a villain? I know what money can do to people. With that, he takes a deep breath and dives deep under the water. Follow him, Mrs. Work yells to fish out of water. Fish, who has been standing on shore ogling the banana patch with graphene, looks confused for a moment. Then he springs into action, diving into the water and taking the form of a sailfish. Mrs. Work swims to shore while Fish scans the base of the River Majestic. Moments later, Fish returns, saying, He's gone. This is what I get for working with kids, Mrs. Work says. You two find him. I have to talk to my media before anyone else gets the story out. Graphene crosses her arms and takes a step towards Mrs. Work. No, she says. I'm sorry. What? Mrs. Work demands. I'm not here to have someone tell me what to do, Graphene says. And Beninja is my, um, friend? I guess. He's not a bad guy. We have to stop. Little girl, you are wearing one million dollars of my research and design. You are here to do precisely what I tell you to. Graphene meets the glare of her best friend's mom. Of one of the 20 smartest people in the world. Of the vice president of the richest company in the world. She's not sure she could maintain eye contact as Amina, but for some reason, Graphene has no problem staring her down. I don't think you're a hero, Graphene says. And if thinking that means I can't have this suit, well... Graphene types a few commands on the suit's tablet on her wrist. And the suit quickly falls off, leaving Graphene in a significantly less super blue tracksuit that Butlerbot made for her. Fish out of water, this isn't where you belong, Graphene says. Come with me. It's time for the real heroes to work together. Fish looks between the woman and the girl standing on the bank of the River Majestic. Binary news drums are beginning to descend around them. Leave. Now, Mrs. Work says to Graphene. There are more important things than you going on here. Fish, leave with her if you must, but know that you will not be permitted to return to me again. Fish gives each of them one more glance before whispering, I'm staying. Graphene turns and walks away from the woman who offered to make her a superhero, and the suit that let her fly, if only briefly. Mrs. Work turns to address the news drones. Meanwhile, in an old Kuramoto concrete tunnel beneath the dam, Kirby Kuramoto catches his breath as he quickly moves away from the dam and toward the suburb of Quad Meadows. He needs to communicate with IT Girl, but his comm unit is blocked by all the concrete in the tunnels. As he moves under a storm grate, Kirby gets enough of a signal to notice he's received several text messages and voicemails from his grandfather. He scans through them. Angry, grounded, punishment, let me out of this room right now, blah, blah, blah. But here's the one he's looking for. A message not to Kirby directly, but instead to all employees of Jodande Enterprises, his grandfather's company. There is a nuclear emergency at the dam east of Quadropolis, the message reads. Under our Federal Emergency Services contract, it is now Jodande Enterprises' top priority to respond to this emergency. 
mitigate the nuclear fallout, and permanently seal up the dam. The dam appears to have a temporary seal on it. The area is being evacuated. This project takes priority over anything else you are working on. Report to your team lead for details. I will personally be on site to ensure cleanup is handled safely and efficiently. Respectfully, Genesis Kuramoto. Beninja forwards the message to IT Girl and climbs higher in the tunnel to get a better signal and call her. There you are, IT Girl says. I have been so worried. The news is a mess of confusion right now. What's happening? Mrs. Work is trying to control the story, Beninja says. You need to get in touch with Bernie. There needs to be a version of the story that isn't controlled by her. I have been trying to get Bernie. I can't find him anywhere. The news that is out there is not good, and my mom is just making it worse. The story getting out is that terrorists used a small nuclear device to destroy the dam, and that Binary's team stopped the attack. Wait. That means... Beninja starts. Yeah, your picture. Beninja's picture is on social media. Some people are calling you a terrorist. Others are saying you're a hero. It's a mess. Speaking of mess, the federal government has classified the dam as a priority one disaster site, meaning anyone not involved with the cleanup. You mean anyone who doesn't work for Jodande? Yeah, everyone else has to clear out. That means binary as well. Which means my mom is separated from the NSE suit, at least for now. It also means we are not going to be able to get closer to the dam to figure out if Butlerbot survived that blast. IT Girl stays silent for a moment. Beninja, I saw what happened. I really don't think. I won't speculate until I have evidence. I understand. Meanwhile, above the tunnels. A fleet of Jodande helicopters is landing on and around the dam, blockading all the roads to the area. Genesis Kuramoto is on the lead helicopter, which lands atop the dam. He surveys the scene. That looks like one of my cars, he says, pointing to the town car Butlerbot had driven Kirby here in. Did one of our people arrive early? An assistant calls up a manifest on his tablet and says, It appears the town car was driven by your grandson's butler. Genesis turns with an angry face. And my grandson? The assistant taps again on the tablet. According to the records, he was not in the car. The butler must have been running an errand for him. Get me a location on that robot, Genesis barks. Right away, the assistant says. Then a worried look spreads on his face. Your son's robotic assistant is... offline, Mr. Kuramoto. The last known signal was... This must be an error. It was below the dam, about right there. The assistant points down the side of the dam to the gigantic spidery NSE suit still clinging to the side of the dam. Genesis looks over the edge of the dam. That is the center of the blast, and the center of the nuclear fallout. As if noticing for the first time, the assistant looks at the filled-up crack in the dam and says, Are those 
Banana peels. Mr. Kuramoto looks but says nothing. He turns back to the helicopter and retrieves a bright orange hazardous material suit. Help me put this on, he says to the assistant. I want to be the first to examine that binary machine. The Jodande team lowers Mr. Kuramoto on a winch cable down the side of the dam. He lands on one of the gleaming white legs of the suit and detaches the winch, slowly crawling along the side of the leg to the cockpit. A readout on the helmet of his hazmat suit shows that there is radiation present, but in very small levels. Genesis is fairly certain that a nuclear bomb was not responsible for this disaster, but he keeps that information to himself for now. He wants to take his time examining the NSE suit, to find out how Binary altered the design of the device his own team built, so that it would become this super thing. Lowering himself into the cockpit, he sees the artificial intelligence modules that Binary has added, and chuckled to himself. Of course, a human pilot couldn't pay attention to all of the variables required to drive this thing gracefully. This neural interface with an artificial intelligence, means the pilot and the computer can work together to control this device. Mr. Kuramoto's fist tightens around one of the controls. He is angry that the NSC suit, which was supposed to be a joint Jodande and Binary Consolidated project, has been taken over by Mrs. Work. Binary's research and development in artificial intelligence has meant that they've been outpacing Jodande in recent years. And now Genesis feels Binary has effectively stolen a piece of technology simply by writing the software for it. But artificial intelligence can work both ways, Genesis mutters to himself. The AI has safety controls in place, which means the pilot can control the AI, but the AI cannot control the pilot. If Genesis can disable a few of those controls just for a moment, then he can reverse the way it works the artificial intelligence will be able to treat the brain of Genesis like a computer and write some data directly into Mr. Kuramoto's own thoughts. Genesis smiles. This will provide the edge Jodande needs to beat Binary Consolidated. Mr. Kuramoto, his assistant says over the comms, are you okay? Silence, as he slams his fist into the cockpit door in anger. I will communicate when I require assistance. His arm stings, and he realizes the fabric of his hazmat suit caught on the door and ripped. No matter, he thinks. I've verified the radiation levels are not high enough to cause concern. Genesis finishes issuing the commands to override the safety controls, and picks up the mental harness designed to help the pilot talk to the artificial intelligence in the NSE suit taking a last look at the radiation readings to confirm his initial assessment that they're safe, followed by another glance at the tear in his sleeve. Genesis puts the harness on. Inhuman thoughts flood his brain, fighting his rational mind for dominance. Genesis jerks his hands up to remove the harness, but some part of him is fighting himself. He sees his hand twitch in front of his face for a moment before a stronger voice fills his mind and tells him to put his hands back on the controls of the NSE suit. All around the dam, 
the Jodande Enterprise Disaster Response Team sees the NSC suit gracefully begin to crawl alongside the dam and down toward the ground below. A screaming sound howls from every single phone, computer, and tablet on site. The Jodande Enterprises yell as they yank off their headsets or throw their phones and tablets to the ground. On the dam, four of the NSC suit's legs pull away from the dam and spread out. Binary Consolidated was not the only company to have added a secret upgrade to the NSE suit. Inside the suit, there is still a man who looks like Genesis Kuramoto. But his mind is not his own. It has merged with the artificial intelligence in the NSE suit, which has been negatively affected by the nuclear radiation that both Genesis and the suit were exposed to. This hybrid NSE Genesis aims each leg at a Jodande helicopter. The tips of the NSE suit legs glow momentarily. And in a flash, the helicopters explode, sending Jodande employees diving for safety. Below, NSE Genesis begins moving rapidly along the River Majestic towards downtown Quadropolis. Inside, the hybrid brain is multitasking. With one part of its awareness, it jams all nearby communication systems by overloading them with a hideous squeal. Another part of its consciousness coordinates the graceful and rapid movement of the eight limbs, propelling it downriver through a forest at 80 miles per hour. Yet another segment activates various weapon systems and the part of the hybrid consciousness that is most genesis, obsessed with dominance in business, is busy calling up schematics for the fortress of his enemy, the binary consolidated tower. Thanks for listening, weirdos. Tune in next week for the season finale. Remember, you can find us online at justusweirdos.com. Thanks, as always, to Joe Carnwath for producing our original intro theme music. Thank you also to Love Hustler for the rights to use Cinderella, which you're listening to right now. And most of all, thanks to you, dear listener. We've had so much fun with Season 1 and are excited about wrapping it up next week. Until then, be kind, be creative, and most of all, be weird. See you next week, weirdos.